Hey, I know with this season, there's a, an extreme range of emotions that we might feel. For many of us, it's a, an extreme time of, of joy, maybe, of generosity, of kindness, of happiness. But there's also the other end of the spectrum where, for many, it's an extreme time of anxiety and worry, maybe even depression or, or sadness for many, that maybe this year is the, the first Christmas season that there's an empty chair at a table that, that once used to be filled and occupied with someone, either a loved one who passed away or, or a family that became fractured, whatever it was. There's, there's a lot of range of emotions, I know that. And I think even walking through these doors, many of you have already experienced the, the movement and the chaos that this season can generate and bring. And what I think happens a lot of times is we will try to mask those emotions. We'll try to drown out maybe the emotions, the sadness, or whatever it is by the busyness of the season. I think God wants to do something different today. I think that we have uh, a few minutes this morning really just to allow God to refresh us, to, to speak to our hearts, for us to just take a breath. This might be the only time this whole season that you're just still and allow God to say something to you. In fact, I want to read you some scripture before I have you sit down. It won't take long. But in Luke chapter 10, this is not normally a, a text reserved for Christmas, but I think nonetheless it is very applicable to where many of us are. And I think this is going to help us today. This is what the Bible says in verse 38. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught, but Mary was distracted. Everybody say distracted. How many of you walked through these doors distracted? Distracted by the season, distracted by everything that has to get done, distracted by, by the calendar, by the schedule, by, by the movement and the chaos that's this time of year. It says she was distracted by the big dinner that she was preparing. So what did she do? She tattled on her sister. Come on, you sisters. Give it up. This is what she did. She said, hey, Jesus, you got to do something about this. It doesn't seem fair. My sister just sits there while I do all the work. Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. Somebody say details. All the details, all the things that, that have to get done, that must get done. And listen to me, they got to get done. I get it. They have to get done. But many times we are distracted by them. So what does Jesus say? He says, you're worried and upset over all these details when there's only one thing worth being dis, dis concerned about. And, and Mary has discovered it. In the NIV it says, Mary has chosen it. Let's do this. Let's pray. God, I pray that today you would reveal to us all those distractions that we have in our life that keep us from focusing on you and help us to discover through your Holy Spirit the one thing that's needed. Just one thing today. God, speak one word to our heart. Allow us to leave here refreshed and ready to face all that we have in front of us. But God, today I pray that your spirit would overwhelm us, that we would specifically feel your presence. God, that we could remove those distractions, the details of everything that has to happen and focus solely on what you would have to say to us. And if you want to receive that today, say amen. 
Amen. You guys can have a seat. Thank you, worship team, for leading us so well every single week. I want you to get your pen out, and I want you to write down this one statement, this one declaration that's really going to set the tone today, and it says this, I won't get distracted by the details. I'm going to make the most of Jesus. How about if you entered into this season with that really being your declaration, this year, I'm not going to get distracted. This year, I'm not going to allow all these other little things consume my time. I'm going to make the most of Jesus. Now, that's important all year long, I would say, but I think especially during this time of year when we are pulled in so many different directions. We just read a passage that has, has two characters. It actually has three characters, one main character. Of course, the main character is Jesus. All right, it's church, you guys. Listen, the answer is always Jesus, 99.9% of the time. Just say Jesus. Like if somebody says, what time is it? Jesus. It doesn't really matter. In church, the answer is Jesus. We know the main character throughout the Bible is Jesus. But there are two supporting roles, if you will, Mary and Martha. And in this passage, Martha is not so pumped up about how her sister is acting. Uh, I wonder, as we read that passage, which character you can relate more to. Are you more like Mary or more like Martha? Because we read about Martha who was so busy with all the preparations, all the things that needed to happen that she was distracted. And we see she even got a little bit of a toot about it, right? Because she's like, Jesus, tell my sister to get off her lazy rear end and help me out and do something about this. Uh, and we also read about Mary who's more laid back. She's just kind of go with the flow, just kind of chilling out. Hey, what happens, happens. It's all good, content to just sit and learn. Let me ask you a question. How many of you relate more to Mary? Raise your hand. You just kind of go with the flow. That's right, keep it up. Not many Marys, but you just kind of relax, just kind of chill out. You are present in the moment. Man, I, I envy that. I, I, I want that. I live there sometimes, right? But there are many times in my life that I, I want to have that experience, you're present in the moment. How many of you would say you relate more to Martha? Raise your hand. Yeah, distractions, details, chaos, you know, just all these things that are happening. My wife, Kristen, she definitely is more of a Martha. She won't sit down. She won't chill out. Oftentimes I have to say, Kristen, chill out, woman. Sit down. Now, that's the way I say it in my mind. It comes out like, honey, is there anything I can do to help you, right? That's how it comes out. But we all get distracted by these, these details. In this story, we find these two kind of uh, extremes. One is, is content to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen and learn, and the other one gets distracted. Now, the bad news for those of us, many of us, who raised our hand, including me, saying we can relate more to Martha, she's depicted as the bad example. She's depicted as the example of what not to do. However... Before I think we dive into the lessons that we can learn from Martha, from her negative reactions, um, I would like to point out Martha also had a lot going for her. I think we miss this from time to time, that Martha did more right than she actually did wrong. Now, just a confession up front. Verse 40, it says, Martha was distracted by all the details uh, with what needed to get, get done, all the preparations that had to be made. If I had a life verse, that would be my life verse. Distracted by the details. Many of you, your life verse is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. Those are great 
life verses, and I want that. I would love to be able to say that's, that's where I, I live. However, if I'm being honest, Luke 10, 40, that's my life verse. Distracted many times by the details, and I think many of you can relate to that. I'm a very driven person. I like to accomplish things, and because of that, I always believe whatever I'm working on should be the most important thing to everyone everywhere. Because I'm driven, it can lead me to be self-centered. It can lead me to be selfish. It can also lead me to take chances and, and risks and do, attempt to do great things for God. Because I'm driven, though, because many of us are wired this way, we can get distracted by the details. If you were to open up my, my computer uh, on my desktop, it drives my wife crazy. Because there's like 18 different documents open all the time. I have email drafts, I have, I have messages I'm working on or series ideas, we have notes from staff meeting, I have Evernote, I love Evernote, so I have to-do lists in Evernote for work, to-do lists for home, to-do lists for my baby mama, I got to-do lists, you know, like everything. I have like 18 things open, it drives my wife crazy. We can get distracted by all the things that we have to do. And again, in this, this season of, of the year, and I would even say in this, this time period in history, where we have more distractions than ever, things like social media, Facebook, and Instagram. You know, they can be a distraction as well. What do you mean? Um, like on Thanksgiving, spending time with my family. I'm just, I'm talking about me. I don't know if this happened in your house, but we take pictures. You know, enjoy the moments with the family, you know, gathering everybody together, moments that we want to remember, moments that are gonna be stored on some hard drive somewhere, never to be seen again, probably. But we'll take pictures, and then that's not where it stops. Often we'll like have to post that. And then we have to take time thinking about captions and what we're gonna say about the moment that we're posting about. And meanwhile, my boys are like, Dad, I want you to hang out. Dad, I want you to play. I'm like, shut up, leave me alone. Can't you see? I'm trying to tell everybody in the world how awesome our family is right now. Could you give me a second? So we can get distracted. You know, and it's a good thing to capture moments. It's a good thing to do that. But a lot of times we can take that too far, and so before we kind of dive in about all the things we can learn from Martha, I wanna defend her for a moment because the Bible says in verse 38 that it was a woman named Martha who opened her home. Don't miss that, her home to Jesus. I heard a lot of preachers talk about Mary and Martha, and, and they will criticize Martha, but give all the credit to Mary. But can I point out, that uh, Mary would have no place to sit at the feet of Jesus had Martha not opened her home to him in the first place, right? So there's something to be said for being driven. There's something to be said for preparation. There's something to be said for that. The Bible says it was her home. Apparently, Martha was paying the mortgage. Apparently, Martha owned the home. Mary didn't. So I love that. And, and I love that because... I think many times preachers will, will set us up for failure. And they'll say things about this time of year, this season. They'll say, hey, here's what you need to do. Don't go shopping. Don't be a consumer. You just need to take your family and have special family moments every single night where you go out with your family into the wilderness and you gather sticks together and you bring them back in the house and you weave your own like manger out of twigs, one twig at a time, and you bring it in. And, and every night before you go to bed, you bring gifts and you place them in this manger. 
and, you know, representing something in your family that, that you want to, to give back to God. And with each gift, you should recite a, a book from the Old Testament that you have memorized, right? Because we want Jesus to be at the center of everything we do. But I think what we just read, while that sounds great, actually it doesn't sound great. Well, that sounds interesting, um, it still violates the spirit of the text that we just read. Because here in this text, we see Jesus is, is um, giving credit to the person who's not doing anything, but is correcting the person who's doing everything. So I don't want you to, to miss this. It could be that you're doing everything right. What you're doing is not bad. You're doing everything right. But because you're still doing everything, it's still wrong. You're doing everything right and everything wrong at the same time. Now what you're doing could be good stuff, but you're distracted by the good stuff and it's keeping you from the best stuff. In fact, I would say it's a, it's a conundrum. Everybody say conundrum. I think that's a word we don't use enough, if you ask me, conundrum. Like conundrum means it's a problem. It's a difficult question, it's a difficult situation. I'm calling this message a Christmas conundrum. What a conundrum we have here on our hands. It's a conundrum. Nevertheless, I wanna come back to Martha real quick for a minute. Uh, this passage does not suggest that practical preparations are evil and that all you and I ever need to do is sit around and worshiping Jesus. Uh, this is a single instance in a book in God's word that is filled with examples of people working hard for God. So I don't want you to miss this. This book is filled with people who are putting feet to their, their faith, right? They're seeing their faith in action. The Bible talks a lot about how we are to do hard work. So if all you do is take away from this text, well, I just need to spend the next you know, few weeks sitting at the feet of Jesus, worshiping Jesus. I don't need to do anything else except worship Jesus. Well, you're gonna end up spending a lot of time in the unemployment office at the beginning of the year, right? Because that's not gonna fly. You can't roll up to your boss and say, hey, I didn't do that email. I didn't finish the, the fourth quarter report because I was sitting at the feet of Jesus worshiping like Mary. That's not gonna work for you. So don't mistake this message for just sitting around and, and not doing anything. However, I think there's a lot for us to learn. And this really is a conundrum. This really is a tension that we have to manage every day of our life, but I think especially during the Christmas season, especially when everything is so chaotic and greatly amplified. Does anybody else feel this tension? You wanna, you wanna crank it up, but you also wanna chill out all at the same time. There are things that you know need to get done. However, we still want Jesus. We still want God to be at the center of it all. Like, that's really our heart. And honestly, I think if this is tough for me, because it is, as, as your pastor, like, then it's got to be hard, hard for you unless you're like super Christian. If you are, we're glad you're here. But if it's hard for me to make sure I keep my priorities in place during this time of year, if it's hard for me to make sure that the things I think have the most importance in my life and my family are, are where they should be, then I know it's got to be hard for others as well. So for that reason, what I want to do today is simply unburden us. I, I want to help us uh, unconundrum us. Oh, there's a new word, unconundrum us and get some things off of our back, some things that we're carrying that maybe, maybe we weren't meant to carry at all in this season that generates so much chaos. What I'm not gonna do, though, is I'm not gonna yell at you and say, hey, 
you should be more like Mary. Why can't you be more like Mary? Just sit at Jesus' feet and worship. Why can't you be more like Mary? Because you're gonna respond, uh, because I have a job and because I have things to do and because I have, you know, mouths to feed and people staring at me like I should do something. That's what my boys do like all day long. What are we doing now, dad? So I know, I get that. We all have things to do. And it isn't, it's, it's hard for us to do that. So Martha invites Jesus over to her house. And then the moment when he starts teaching, what she should say is preparations are done. Like, okay, I've done everything that I can do up until this moment. Now what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take the opportunity to focus on Jesus and see what God has to say for me. But that's not what she does. Instead, what she does is she starts whining to Jesus how, how her sister wasn't helping her. Jesus, can't you see? I'm trying to cook a meal for, for you, Jesus. I'm trying to, to do this for you. Would you please tell my sister to help me. How many of you get really frustrated at people like that aren't doing what they should be doing? You get really frustrated. Maybe even this time of year, it gets amplified. Here's a word of advice. Stop telling Jesus what he should tell others and start asking Jesus what he wants to tell you. Because it could be that you're focusing on how other people are responding and you don't have any responsibility for them. And I, I think you would be a whole lot happier this Christmas. I think you'd be a whole lot more at peace and more Christ-like if you would stop trying to control the response of everyone around you. Martha says, tell Mary. She's not doing what she should be doing. Tell Mary that she needs to, to help me. Hey, even if Mary is lazy, she's not your responsibility. Besides, are you forgetting who's in the house? Like Jesus is in the house and he's way more interested in what he wants to tell you than what you can do for him. Hey, somebody here today, you've forgotten Jesus is in the house and you're so distracted and you're so busy and you're so concerned with what someone else is or is not doing that you've forgotten that he wants to tell you something. He wants to teach you something. He wants you to, to, to rest in him, be present with him, and so we see in this passage, Martha, she's distracted. She's got the weight of the world, you, you would think. It sounds like she's, she's carrying all this worry and anxiety, and for all of you who walked through these doors this morning and you can relate, I'm praying that this helps you. I'm praying that this gives you a, maybe a different perspective during this crazy season of life where things start to, to work us into a frenzy. And what I wanna do is go back through this kind of verse by verse and really take our time unpacking it. Slow down doing it. I, I think it would be um, counterintuitive to rush through a message about slowing down. I don't think it works that way. So let's, let's take our time and acknowledge what God is really looking for us in this moment. So let's go back through it again. Verse 38, it says, he came to a village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She welcomed him into her home. I'm reminded of the contrast between when Jesus first came to the earth. When he first showed up as a baby, how no one wanted him, right? There was no room for him anywhere. But now we see Martha, you know, during the, the final stages of his ministry, welcoming him into her home, opening up her home. There's something powerful about that. In this season, opening up your home, to Jesus, to time with him, opening up your, your heart, opening up your life to Jesus. So Martha welcomes him in to her home and she's making preparations. She's planning a, a, a meal and they wanna sit down and that's a good thing. 
Those are all good things. It's probably because she was so hospitable, she was probably so caring, right, that Jesus wanted to stop there as he did so often in Bethany where she lived. It's probably because she had the spirit of warmth and care, and that's, that's a good thing too. For all of you who care and are, you know, love being opening up your home, that's a good thing. And so verse 39 says she had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. That's such a key phrase. She sat listening to what he taught. The first time I read through this passage, I thought, well, this is about busyness, you know, and how, how we don't need to be so, so busy, but that would actually contradict the way Jesus himself did ministry because you see, Jesus was busy. Jesus went from town to town to town, healing people, teaching people, feeding people, and he would only stop for a short time you know, of getting rest in between. In fact, that would contradict a lot of what God's word says to us about how, how we are to work hard. And so then I thought, maybe it's not about that. Maybe it's about priorities. And in some ways, I think it is how Jesus at the end of the text, in fact, in the NIV version, it doesn't say Mary discovered what's better. It said Mary chose. She chose to put Jesus first. I think maybe it's about our priorities, but the more I read it, I realize it's not just about busyness and rest. It's not just about uh, how we should just sit around and, and sing kumbaya and light candles, you know, all day. I realize this passage is all about his presence, all about just spending time with him, being with him, the value of God's presence in our life, the presence of Jesus, and that Jesus' presence in our life is the greatest way for us to be productive. In fact, we can't do it without it. I think a lot of times we think that these are two separate things, either the presence of Jesus or be, be productive, but the Bible tells us that, that he is our strength, that we can't do this without him. In fact, here's, here's the key then, jot this down. God's presence is the key to our productivity. It's key to it. This is not about not doing anything. This is about getting filled up so we can do something getting filled up so that we can be used by God, by being in his presence first. And what Jesus seems to be suggesting in verse 41, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. You're upset about all the details, all the practical preparations, but only one thing needs to be, you need to be concerned with. What's the one thing that's needed? The one thing that's needed is the presence of God. That's it. That's where it starts. In a season of such chaos and distraction, the one thing that's needed is the presence of God. Jesus says, you're worried. Hey, you're worried about the big meal. You're worried about how the turkey's gonna come out. You're worried about how the ham, you know, the honey-baked spiral ham, mm, that's some good ham. I'm preaching now. Got some mashed potatoes and gravy. Got some pretzel salad. Anybody do the pretzel salad? Like, oh, pretzel salad, that's what's up. Jesus is saying, do all that. Please do the pretzel salad. Please do the mashed potatoes and gravy, right? Do all that, but here's the key. Don't you dare allow the little distractions, the things that ultimately mean nothing, keep you from the thing that ultimately means everything, and what ultimately means everything is the presence of God in our life. He's saying don't you dare let those things keep you from that. And I think the way that a lot of times we live you know, we just get distracted, we get caught up in the details. And Jesus said, you're concerned about too many things. To Martha, in that day, in that time period, he said, you're concerned about too many things. 
What do you think he would tell us today? If he said that to Martha and Al Gore hadn't even invented the internet yet. And there was no Facebook. There was no Instagram. If he told them you're worried about too many things, honestly, what do you think he would say to you? What do you think he'd say to me? I know he'd say, Colby, you're worried, man, about way too many things. You're distracted by too many details. And I think a strategy of the enemy, honestly, is less about destroying you with bad things and more about keeping you busy with good things that will ultimately keep you from the best thing. He loves to do that. Listen, the, the details are not bad. The preparation is not bad. Being driven is not bad. But is it keeping you, is it keeping you from the best thing, which is the presence of God and practicing his presence in your life? And I would add that God's presence shouldn't be something that you find here one day a week. It can't be that. But it happens really anytime you choose it. And you choose to see it. Look at that, that verse again in the NIV. It says, Mary chose what was better. And that can't be taken from her. The Bible says she chose to do it. Write this down. You choose what controls you. You get to choose this season. For some of you, this is gonna set you free. You can't choose what that person said about you, how they feel about you, or what they did, but you can choose what controls you. See, we live in a, in a culture where, and I think uh, we've created this ideology that you have to buy more, consume more, do more, that that's what the world would have you think. Those are the things that you need to live up to. But I need to remind you, you get to choose. You get to choose what controls you. Some of you, you need to tell your credit card, hey, this Christmas, you're not controlling me. You're not, you, honestly, what are some of us doing anyway? Spending money that, that we don't have on, on people because maybe you said you think it demonstrates to them how much you love them, but after you buy that thing that you don't have money for, now you have anxiety and worry and you can't love them the way you wanted to love them because you're stressed out? Like, what are we doing? For some of you, 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 maybe you just need to say, hey, this year, I'm not buying you anything. My gift to you is, is myself. That's what you're getting. Like, you need to roll up to your family at Christmas and say, family, this year I got you myself. All right, I'm giving you my time. Now, real quick, husbands, this does not apply to you and your wife, all right? That's probably not gonna work. I just wanna throw that out there, okay? If you say, honey, this year, I got you more of me, She's gonna say, uh-uh, like you best, you know, give me something else, all right? So you better get a gift for your wife. I'm just gonna say that. But what are we doing? Like I get to choose what controls me. And this year I refuse to be controlled by what the world says I have to be controlled by. And I think that's freeing. Because you know what that means for me? I don't have to go in Mill Creek Mall one time this year if I don't want to. Don't have to step foot in there. I don't have to drive up Peach Street anymore if I don't want to. Praise God for that, right? Because that's, every time I do, I just have violent thoughts this time of year. And if I ever played any of those violent thoughts out, I would be starting a prison ministry this Christmas <laughs> from the inside, if you know what I'm saying, right? But I get to choose. I get to choose what controls me. So maybe this year, instead of with your family where you know there's gonna be strain and tension, and probably dysfunctional relationships, 
You get to choose peace instead. And you get to choose forgiveness. You get to choose love. You get to choose something better. Maybe when you, you want to choose to lash out and choose to say what someone should be doing or wish they would be doing or why aren't they doing. Instead, you choose to practice the presence of God in your life. And you focus more on what Jesus has done for you than what someone else is or is not doing. Amen? Like, you get to choose. And so I think this year, this is what God is calling us to do, to lay some of this chaos down, to fix our eyes on what matters most. Whether it's laying down the, the credit card or some dysfunction in your relationships, I'm telling you that in Jesus' name, you don't have to be controlled by that. You don't have to be controlled by the chaos. You don't have to be controlled uh, by the, the negativity. You don't have to be pulled into the fray this year. Like you get to choose to practice the presence of Jesus. Now, real quick, teenagers in this room, this does not mean you go home and say, Mama, I'm not cleaning my room and doing my homework or doing anything because Pastor Colby said, I'm just gonna practice the presence of Jesus. That's not what I'm saying, all right? It means you choose. And you choose to, to limit the things that you can control in order to relieve the pressure of the things that you can't control. Here's what I, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna bring the band back out. And we're gonna end this a little bit differently today. We've intentionally left some time for us to practice this, to practice the presence of God in this crazy season. But you get to choose to limit those things in your life that, 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 you, can't, that, that, that you can control so that when the things happen that you can't, it's not as crazy. What, what do I mean? You can't control um, the dynamics of the family maybe around the table this year. You can't necessarily choose to control the shuffle of, of kids from one parent's house to the next and trying to, to manage all that. There are things that you can't control, but you can limit, right, the things that you can. And the goal is ultimately for us to say this year, hey, in this house, we're not striving for perfection. The goal has never been perfection. The goal is the presence of God. And if we can't grab hold of the one thing that we should be concerned about, the one thing that Jesus said is, is the thing that, that really should be, be worried about, then nothing else matters. All the gifts don't matter. All the things that you buy, it doesn't matter. What matters is the presence of God. Details are important, but practicing God's presence, you know what that does? That'll lead you to persevere through the battles or through the, the stress that you're facing. Practicing the presence of God ultimately pushes you into your purpose. Practicing the presence of God helps you be more productive in your life. So this is not about being productive or not. This is about finding strength and finding peace so that you can have and the, the greatest season that you've ever had. But it all begins with the presence of Jesus. So here's what I want us to do. Would you stand to your feet? And I want you to close your eyes. And in just a moment, we're gonna sing this whole song, but I, again, but I wanna pray for us. Because this might be the only time that you do this all year long. I've intentionally left some time so that you would not feel pressure to rush off Pressure to go grab your kids. Pressure to get some details 
handled and managed. This might be the only time this season that you actually breathe for just a moment and remember all the things that Jesus has done for you. With every head bowed, every eyes closed, Jesus came to this earth as a baby. And the reason he did was for you. The reason he did was to save us from our sin. The Bible tells us that we're all sinners. We've all gone our our separate ways. But even in that, while we were sinning, God sent his son, Jesus, born of a virgin, born in Bethlehem, to be the savior for the world. That he would grow up and experience everything that you experienced in life. And at 30, he would be baptized. And from that point on, his ministry would start and ultimately wind him up on a cross as the sacrifice for our sin. That's what this season is. Ultimately about Jesus saving us. Don't get caught up in the details. Don't get caught up in the chaos. Don't get caught up in the pressure. But we remember today, Jesus, all that you've done for us. And we remember that the most important thing is your presence. It's how we're productive. It's how we have strength. That it's in our weakness. Your word says that, that your strength is made perfect in us. And that it's not by our power, but by your spirit. And so God, today we're asking that your spirit would fill us once again. We're asking that, that in this crazy season we would take uh, just a few minutes to to be in your presence, God. And while we're praying, every head bowed, every eyes closed, maybe some of you walk through these rooms, these doors, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And so being in his presence is, is something that's very foreign to you. But you should understand that I think God's brought you to this place to remind you of how much he wants to be with you. That maybe we just need to shut up and listen. Maybe God wants to teach you something. Maybe he brought you through these doors once again to tell you specifically how much he loves you and how much he wants you to stop carrying around the weight of the world and the sin that you carry because it's already been paid for. It's already been bought with a price on the cross. He's asking me to remind you once again that he came to save you, that Christmas is a time of year we celebrate Jesus being Emmanuel, God with us, that God came for you to rescue you. And maybe today your eyes have been opened and you understand that God wants to have a relationship with you, that you've never surrendered your life to him. And I wanna lead you in a prayer that does that. The Bible says as we confess Jesus as Lord and we believe in our hearts, God raised him from the dead, that we would be saved. And that's where it all starts. And so today for maybe some of you in this room, it begins for you today that for the first time you practically understand the presence of God in your life. And let me pray with you. If that's you today, you can pray something like this. Uh, You can use your own words. Just pray, Jesus, I need your presence. Jesus, thank you for coming and dying for me on the cross. Thank you for rescuing me and saving me. Thank you that you are the savior of the world. And so today, I understand that not only were you born in Bethlehem, but today you're being born in my heart and in my life. Jesus, I can't say thank you enough for saving me and forgiving me and not holding my sins against me. 
I confess you as Lord. Tell him that again. I confess you as Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you made a decision to follow Jesus into your life and accept him as Lord and Savior, we would love to know about it. You can go online to elevatechurch.com forward slash yes, and there will be some practical next steps for you to take along this journey. If you want to commit to fueling the mission and vision of this church to see people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, you can go online to elevatechurch.com forward slash give.